the first Sunday in January. And what we land on today is what we believe about war and peace on Memorial Day weekend. Kind of cool when, when we see God at work just uh, in those little things. So I, I tell you that, I share that with you just in case you're struggling with God's timing today. I want you to know he's actually really good at this. <laughs> And, and, and today is just a little reminder of that. It, this is Memorial Day weekend. Now, tomorrow is the day that we take to remember those who have fallen, to remember those who, as, as Pre, uh, Abraham Lincoln said, gave their last full measure of devotion to our country. And as, uh, as Jane read, it's not a day we celebrate. It's not actually... The, the first day of uh, unofficial day of summer. It's not actually all about the barbecue and beer. It's actually about those we have lost for freedom. We celebrate this morning the freedom they bought. We, we are gathered here with the lights on and the doors open today without fear of reprisal from our government because they sacrificed. So tomorrow is an important day. And, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about Memorial Day for a moment. It was first celebrated in 1868. It was a, a former general named John A. Logan. And he arranged on May 30th. He chose May 30th as a date. And he chose it for a very specific reason. It was because there was no battles being remembered or commemorated on that day. Because it's not a day about war. It's a, it's a day to honor those who have fallen in war. And so he would not have anything to do with a day that already celebrated a battle. So he chose May 30th. It was also, he was very uh, specific, very particular, that the graves of soldiers be decorated on this day. He originally called it Decoration Day. And, it, and it, was a, it was about decorating the graves of soldiers, and it didn't matter whether they were Union or Confederate soldiers, because it wasn't a day for politics either. It wasn't a day about disagreement. It was a day to honor those who fell, those who, again, gave their last full measure of devotion to our country. And it, it took until 1968 for Memorial Day to be placed as a national holiday on the last Monday of May. It was celebrated over kind of a two-week period in different communities. They decorated the graves on different days. And so in 1968, Congress set it as the last Monday of May. And it took until about 1971 for it to catch on. <laughs> so we really have only had this holiday on, on Monday, celebrated the way we celebrate it or honored the way we honor it since like 1971, which is kind of incredible when you think about it. Now, there is also, if you in the proclamation making uh, Memorial Day, the last Monday in May, there's also a, a memorial time. Are you aware of that? 3 p.m. wherever you are. 3 p.m. local time is a time to pause for a moment to remember those who have fallen for our freedom. So I, I encourage you tomorrow at 3 p.m. 
to pause and, and to, thank, to thank God for those that have sacrificed for their families and ask, their, ask God's blessing on the families of those who have fallen. I, I honestly, if, I, if I'm honest with you, I truly wish we didn't have to celebrate tomorrow. Not because I don't want to honor soldiers, that's not it at all. I just wish there wasn't war. I just wish that we were getting to a time that, that, that mankind could get to the point where we could settle things without war. That's what I hope for. And, and that's where we're going to go today in Isaiah chapter 2, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. It will be up here behind me, but we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 2. Starting just, just a couple of verses, starting in verse 2 through 4. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and will be raised above the hills, and nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the, of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. For instruction will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many people. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up the sword against nation and they will never again train for war. We look forward to that day, don't we? Let's look at the, uh, the Baptist Faith and Message article entitled, Peace and War. It's article uh, 16, Peace and War. It is the duty of Christians to seek peace with all men on principles of righteousness. In accordance with, with the spirit and teachings of Christ, they should do all in their power to put an end to war. The true remedy for the war spirit is the gospel of our Lord. The supreme need of the world is the acceptance of his teachings in all the affairs of men and nations and the practical application of his law of love. Christian people throughout the world should pray for the reign of the Prince of Peace. So let's look, kind of work our way through this Isaiah passage. In the last days... I think these give, this little passage gives great hope. And it's actually this entire chapter. I encourage you to read it later today. The entire chapter is just a chapter of incredible hope. And there, because there is a day coming when we will not need to celebrate the, those fallen in war anymore. That day is coming. Now, verse 1 here applies this to Judah and Jerusalem. Can we then spread that to the rest of the world? I would tell you yes, for a couple of reasons. First of all, if Jerusalem has peace, the world has peace. <laughs> because there is no, no place on earth that is in more conflict than Jerusalem. No place on earth. It has been for thousands of years. Since before David was king, before a th one, the year 1000 BC, Jerusalem has been fought over. Just in the, in, our, uh, in the news in the last two weeks, we're in the midst right now of a, of a time of, of peace, a ceasefire over things happening in Jerusalem. So if there's peace in Jerusalem, there will be peace 
everywhere. In fact, I would say that peace anywhere around the world other than Jerusalem is easy compared to peace in Jerusalem. But, but verse 2 also says, all the nations will stream to the mountain of the Lord. And verse 4 says, he settles disputes among the nations and provides arbitration for many people. You know what stuck out to me when I was studying these verses? That's who we are as mankind, isn't it? God will be teaching us his ways. God will be showing us his path, and we will still be in disputes with each other. Now, it says God settles them and, and ends with they will, they will no longer train for war, so that it won't come to what it comes to now. But, but that tells you who mankind is, doesn't it? I think the, the Baptist faith and message talked about the war spirit. We just have that. Because even in this day, God is settling disputes among nations and arbitrating among people, even in this day. And then it says, he will teach us his ways. In, in a sense, this has come. We know who God is through Christ. If you know Jesus Christ, you know God. Now, that works the other way. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know God. Because Jesus came to show us the way, the truth, and the life. And you don't have those apart from him. And so we can know the, the paths of the Lord in Christ. And then it, it, it specifically gives us the purpose. Why is God going to teach us his, his ways? So we can walk in his paths, it says. So we can live like he intends us to live. I'll say again, we can have that now. Today, you can know Christ, and you can know that you are following Christ, his life and teachings, and you are in the path God has for you. You are following the path of God if you're following Jesus. Verse 5 says, House of Jacob, come and let us walk in the Lord's light. We can do this today by following the life and teachings of the light of the world. Jesus Christ. Now, this also talks to us a little bit, though, about the sovereignty of God, doesn't it? Because it says he teaches all men, and, it, and, he, and he shows all the nations his ways. Think of it this way. In my house, I set the rules. I get to choose the rules in my house. You get to choose the rules in your house. But you can't make rules for my house. I can't make rules for your neighbor's house. In order for God to say he will teach the nations, he has to be sovereign over them. For him to set the rules and the path, he has to be sovereign over all people and all nations. So don't miss the point that God is sovereign. And that's important because this day will come. Because of the sovereignty of God, this day will come. This day that we no longer have to train for war. This day that we no longer have to, to, to honor those fallen in war. This day will come. And then there's, there's kind of that famous saying, swords into plows and spears into pruning knives. You've probably heard this many times, probably out of context. 
Now, here's why I say that. Because this is an exact reversal of the day of judgment that Joel chapter 3 talks about. In Joel chapter 3, he's talking about a day of judgment. And in verse 10, he tells the people, beat your plows into swords and your pruning knives into spears. Let even the weaklings say, I am a warrior. So Joel describes, the prophet Joel describes the day of judgment. Isaiah describes the day after, the day after the time of judgment, the time that we're headed for. Sin has been judged in Jesus Christ. The sin of the world has been judged in Jesus Christ. So we're headed for this day that Isaiah proclaims. We're headed for this day where there is no more war, where there is no more conflict except that which God himself arbitrates. Because sin has been judged by God in Jesus Christ on the cross. The day, come, the, the day that we are hurtling towards now is the day when there will be no more war, when there will be no more remembrance of those who fought in war. Nation will not rise against nation. This seems absolutely impossible in our time, doesn't it? This seems like an impossible promise in our time, but it is coming. This day is coming because of the sovereignty of God that we just talked about. If God is sovereign over all the nations, then this day will come. This day, when there is no more war, comes because God said so. This day is coming. And it will no longer matter the, the differences in, in, in the theory of government, the monetary policies, the trade policies. None of that will matter anymore. It will all be about God. It will all be about focus on the God of heaven. As impossible as it seems, today we're a day closer than we were yesterday. Today we're a day closer to this day described in Isaiah than we were yesterday. And so that should encourage us. That should give us hope. Now, I chose for our, uh, our memory verse, chap a, a, verse from, from, a verse 11 from this chapter, and it says, The pride of mankind will be humbled, and human loftiness will be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. Now, this statement is repeated again in verse 17. So twice in the same chapter, that should catch your attention. It catches my attention and says, this is the key. This is the key to the day described in verses 2 through 4, the, the day that we lay down our pride, our selfishness, our, our selfish desires, and we exalt the Lord alone. That's the day that Isaiah 2 through 4 comes from. That's the day when this happens. Now, James tells us in, in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, why, do, why are there wars? Because of our selfish desires and our passions. Because we, have, we don't have and we want. When the day that we lay down our selfish desire and our pride 
is the day the Lord is exalted. The Lord alone is exalted. And this day, the day that, that when, when weapons of war are refashioned into farming implements, that day comes. That day comes. I sincerely hope for this day. I don't, I, I, I encourage you to, to, to honor those who have fallen tomorrow, particularly at three o'clock. And we honor them today. But I sincerely hope, sincerely wish for this day, the day when it's no longer needed, the day when there is no more war. I want to read you uh, just a couple of uh, excerpts, I should say. This is from the Gettysburg Address. And we forget, we, we, uh, I'm sure you've heard of the Gettysburg Address. And, and we remember how it starts, right? Four score and said, yeah. But remember what he's doing here. What is Abraham Lincoln doing at Gettysburg? He is dedicating a cemetery. He's dedicating a cemetery to Civil War soldiers lost in battle. And so... Let me read you part of what he has to say. He says, we are met on a great battlefield of war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that their nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate. We cannot consecrate We cannot hollow the ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it, far above our poor power to add or detract from that. The world will little note, nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave their last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, And that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. That's what Lincoln had to say, dedicating a Civil War graveyard. We, uh, I'm sure that you have heard over the course of your life, taps played by a horn hundreds if not thousands of times. But because it's always played by a horn, We never think about the words to that song. So I want to read you the words to that song. They will be up here behind me. Day is done, gone the sun, from the lakes, from the hills, from the sky. All is well, safely rest. God is nigh. Fading light dims the sight. And a star gems the sky, gleaming bright. From afar, drawing near, falls the night. Thanks and praise for our days. 
neath the sun, neath the stars, neath the sky. As we go, this we know. God is nigh. Will you pray with me? Father, we look forward to this day. This day when we no longer train for war. This day when you resolve conflict short of war. This day when we pound weapons of war into farming tools. We look to this day. Until this day, let us never forget the freedoms that we enjoy, that we cherish, that we take for granted because of those who have sacrificed, who have given their last full measure of devotion. Help us to remember tomorrow at 3 o'clock to pray. And, and Father, we ask that you bless the families of those who have been lost. In the name of Jesus, amen.